Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 32 years, and here every Saturday morning with you all. What a joy ride this has been and continues to be, thanks to the great Brian Croft and Gordon Kolodny at cedars Joined right by my side for ten and a half years by the great Steve Paulette. Well, I'm an orthopedic surgeon here in Los Angeles, right? Just told you that. But orthopedic surgery in Los Angeles was the center of the universe this week. Because Kawhi Leonard and Conor McGregor, two of the biggest sports figures, they had surgery here in Los Angeles. How proud I am. To be at Cedar sinai here in Los Angeles in the world of orthopedic surgery. My guest, I'm so excited, is another member of the surgical community here in L.A. that make us second to none. He happens to be a liver transplant surgeon. That has to be the most complicated operation that we do. It's up there with brain surgery and heart transplants, but liver transplant. This is an operation, 10 to 12 hours. It's not uncommon for you to lose 100 units of blood to just do the surgery. It's intense. You got to be good. You got to be smart. You got to know your techniques. Your hands have to be steady. And the best of the best is my guest at 815. His name is Steve Calhoun, and I can't wait to talk to him. But it made me think all week long. You know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, and the world of surgery. Where in my lifetime did I see a liver transplant in the world of art, the world of sports? Well, without a doubt, I love Mike Trout so much. He's my favorite baseball player since Mickey Mantle. 1951 to 1968, Mickey Mantle replaced Joe DiMaggio in center field. What a burden this was. He wore number seven. And coincidentally, Mickey Mantle won seven rings. Seven World Series rings for the Yankees. When I turned 50, a friend of mine bought me a great gift. If you're looking for a birthday present for somebody, you should do this. He bought me the New York Times, the entire newspaper, from July 24th, 1957, the day I was born. And when I looked through that newspaper, they're in the sports section. Because the day before I was born, Mickey Mantle hit for the cycle. Single, double, triple, and a home run. And that was in the sports section. He has been a big part of my life. And Mickey Mantle 
couldn't help himself, but drank. He was an alcoholic. Wait till you hear the sound bites of him talking about his alcoholism. And you'll hear Bob Costas talk about him at his eulogy. But Mickey Mantle, because he destroyed his liver from alcohol, got a liver transplant. And we're going to learn about that coming up. What about in the world of art? Well, in the world of art, you ready, Steve Paulette? Listen to this song. This song called Wooden Chips, written and sung by David Crosby. You can make it louder. David Crosby, hepatitis C, probably from his years as a heroin addict led to him needing a liver transplant. But unlike Mickey Mantle, David Crosby continues to live. God bless him. He's 80 years old in August. His life was saved. You think doing drugs would have convinced him to stop maybe doing drugs? But to an artist like David Crosby, in his mind, you got to be high every day. Rolling Stone magazine did the most wonderful thing. They decided to sit down with him and have people ask him questions about life. It's hilarious, and you're going to hear it in a few minutes, some of the sound bites of David Crosby giving life advice to people. I just can't stop laughing listening to it. But this man has lived a life. But he's worthy of our respect because of his talent as a singer, songwriter, musician one of the best ever he's in the rock and roll hall of fame for two bands not just one band for the birds and for crosby stills and nash clapper vision i can't wait this afternoon i'm going to tape a segment with kurt sandoval i'll be on tv about the nba Kawhi leonard and his acl and clay thompson and why can these athletes come back clapper vision is going to be the reason and it involves my dad the carpenter and a wooden hammer. The clinic will be open. We'll do some more Clapper Vision. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And let's not forget food. What exactly looks like a liver with cirrhosis when it's destroyed by alcohol or drugs or just gets destroyed because of too much Tylenol? You get what's known as cirrhosis, the death of your liver. You know what it looks like? It looks like an old-fashioned chocolate donut. And I'm going to talk about where I get my favorite old-fashioned chocolate donut. And if you go on Twitter, at Dr. Robert Clapper, you will see what looks like a normal liver. It's a normal cream-filled, glazed, icing chocolate donut. And then you'll see what an old-fashioned chocolate donut, and that's literally what a normal liver looks like. You'll see the two donuts and one that has cirrhosis. So if you go on Twitter, you'll be able to see the picture. My mouth is watering already. But the best chocolate old-fashioned donut. I don't think it's fried. I think it's baked, or I don't even know how they do it. But I'll tell you where to get it. I'll tell you where I get it. That'll come up a little later in the show. But let's get right into it. Let's listen to David Crosby, Rolling Stone magazine, him giving advice. But I want you to listen. 
because when he's answering the question of, from the, the, uh, the reader, the writer, the person who wrote in, what you're actually hearing in his answer is his philosophy of life. It's what led to his needing a liver transplant, but more importantly, how he lives his life after he's had his liver transplanted. This is David Crosby taking questions <laughs> from his fans. Do you still smoke weed? <laughs> if so, how do you care for your throat and your vocal cords? As a singer-songwriter, I won't smoke on the day of a concert. I rarely have a problem, but just knowing there is a magic elixir lozenge to drink or to go with if needed would be cool. I can't explain why my voice is working the way it is. It's working very well. Uh, my friends who really don't butter my toast uh, tell me that I'm singing as well as I ever have in my life. And I smoke pot all the time. I smoke it every day. I well, every night. I smoke it every day. I smoke it every night. This is a guy who had a liver transplant. Because marijuana, I guess, doesn't destroy your liver like heroin does or alcohol. I don't see any problem smoking weed. <laughs> I don't smoke it before I go on, before I, I sing. But that's mostly, that's not because of my throat. That's because I sort of need all the brain cells that are still holding hands <laughs> to be gathered up in one area when I'm trying to remember the lyrics and, and communicate with uh, an audience. So I smoke afterwards. I hope that some helped you. What a beautiful guy he is, though. I mean, he's just full on crazy. No, no doubt about it. And, you know, I'm not a musician, singer, songwriter. Maybe you need to be in a different state of mind to be able to see things and hear things differently than the rest of us to write the beautiful songs that he's written. But here you get a glimpse into his life. Listen to the answer he's giving this writer. But it tells you everything about how he deals with life. David Crosby. Cros, how are you doing? You're a little older than me. I'm late 60s, but I need help. My 44-year-old son died one year ago from fentanyl, and I can't get over it. Oh, God. I can't help you. You have to go on with your life. I don't know if you have other family, but if you had a kid, you have got a, you've got a partner. And you got yourself. How did David Crosby get on with his life knowing he was on death's door? Bitter sadness, though. There is no fix. I have no fix for you. I can only be honest with you and tell you that's a terrible weight to carry. I would look for joy anywhere I could find it. Try to balance it. Sorry, I wish I could help you. Dear David... I love your music, and in my humble opinion, your recent run of four albums in five years are up there with the best of your work. The thing is, my wife will only listen to George Michael and Rick Astley. <laughs> How do I get her to appreciate your music? Hopeless, man. Obviously, you need to get remarried. <laughs> and here he's going to give him advice. You know how you listen to my music? Smoke a joint. Oh, my God. If your wife is uh, resistant... I mean, how can she resist the magnificence of my music? It's so stunning. <laughs> Try smoking a joint with your wife <laughs> and then see if she likes my music better. <laughs> Somehow those two things seem to work together, my music and joints. Try that. Try that. Okay. Here's a guy who had a liver transplant telling you to get high. But listen to how 
getting his liver transplant, you'll see, you'll listen to the answer and how it changes the cadence of his voice. Hello and thanks. I'm curious about how you managed to keep such a positive and upbeat attitude in the face of your illnesses over the years. I've had and have several serious health diagnoses, and there are days I just feel so less than I did from five years ago mentally and physically. Did you have days like this? And if so, how did you address those feelings? Here he's going to tell him. I spent 72 days in the hospital after my liver transplant. I saw death. Physical stuff is really tough. Yeah, I've had a lot. I did 72 days in UCLA hospital. 72 days. Dying. It is insanely difficult. First of all, do you have health care? A lot of us don't. Secondly, can they do anything? You have to find some core of strength within yourself to hold on to. Otherwise, you're going to just be adrift. You know who paid for his liver transplant? The singer Phil Collins. Because when you're on drugs and you're hooked on heroin, you don't got any money anymore. Forever grateful to Phil Collins for that. Cross, I have a year clean from cocaine and heroin, and I think I can start smoking some pot. What's a good strain to keep me from getting back on coke and smack? As if that was a strain, <laughs> you nincompoop. <laughs> yeah, if I smoke this particular kind of pot, it'll... No. A year clean may not be enough. I had 14 and a half years absolutely clean. Nothing, not even a beer, before I smoked any pot. There's a way you can sort of tell uh, it's when the slip dreams go away. Wow. But after a year, I wouldn't. Not if you were addicted to coke and heroin. Coke and heroin take you over the way fire takes over a building, and they don't give up easy. If you are an addictive personality and you were strung out on, on uh, heroin and coke, well, I wouldn't be jumping into anything. Not beer or wine or pot or anything else. I'd give yourself some time in sobriety before you try that. Just my advice. And finally, here's my favorite soundbite, because here David Crosby, who needed a liver transplant, like we're later going to learn from Mickey Mantle because of alcoholism, but in his case, hepatitis C, most likely from heroin, gives advice to a writer. Don't start. I did, and this is what I learned from it. Don't do it. This is my favorite of all the sound bites. Dear David, I'll cut right to the point. I'm curious to know what it feels like to do heroin, and I want to know, and I want to try it. I won't become an addict. <laughs> yes, you will. I just want to try it once. Nobody ever managed to try it once, man. It doesn't work like that. You try it once, you'll try it again. It's really subtle and really evil and really strong, and it will get you. Don't try it. Don't experiment with it. It's like experimenting with a nightmare. Oh, I want to experiment with the feeling of being strangled. Flat out, no. Don't ever go anywhere near heroin or coke or speed. They will ruin your life and take it away from you. David Crosby's transplant surgeon would be happy to know that his life was saved so that he could now save someone else's life by giving advice like that. It's a beautiful thing to be a transplant surgeon, particularly of liver. Steve Calhoun will be my guest at 815, and we're going to get into a lot of issues, the technical aspects of the surgery. I just cannot wait. 
Coming up next, where in the world of sports do we hear the person talk about what caused their liver to completely break down? It was the great Mickey Mantle. We'll get into it. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. Going on, it's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Forget about it. You're not having surgery. This is what you're going to do. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Oh, my God. Every single bone and joint in my body hurts right now. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. It's getting to the point where I'm Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Steve Paulette's playing everything we can get our hands on from Crosby, Stills, and Nash because David Crosby had a liver transplant, most likely from hepatitis C and sharing needles during his years as a heroin addict. But his life was saved by a liver transplant surgeon. And at 8.15, we're going to talk to one. It's a fascinating subject. It's a fascinating organ and how it works. And nobody knows it better than a surgeon who works on it. I'm a carpenter. I use saws and drills and hammers. What fun I had this week. Ten big surgeries. Hip and knee surgeries. Awesome. I was a carpenter's son in the operating room this week. It was great. But if my father was Vincent Laporcio, my favorite plumber, I'd be a liver transplant surgeon. Because those same junctions where you get the sewer line and the water line and all those pipes and you got to seal them up, that's exactly what a vascular surgeon does. And a liver surgeon is the height of being a vascular surgeon. Just think about cutting that artery or vein cross-sec, just cutting in half, cross-clamp it. And now you have to meticulously take a needle and thread and sew that very flimsy, I'm dealing with bones and ligaments and tendons. I put stitches into bone and ligaments and tendons. The purchase, the bite of that material it's awesome. It's like driving a nail through it into a two-by-four with a hammer. I love that stuff. But a blood vessel ain't the same thing. That's like trying to sew up a Boston cream pie. It's like going to a bakery and asking for two donuts and sewing the two donuts together. There's a clapper vision for you. That's delicious. 
But that's what a vascular, that's what a liver surgeon does. Clapper vision. But where in the world of sports was my life touched most? It was by a baseball player. Yeah, maybe his name, Mickey Mantle, the way that came together was nice. He died at only 63 years old from alcoholism. Mickey Mantle's father, Mutt Mantle, worked in the copper mines in Oklahoma. Mickey Mantle's uncles, his whole family of men, his father, his uncles, everybody around him, even his own son, died of Hodgkin's disease. There's no doubt Mickey Mantle was convinced he wasn't going to live long and die from Hodgkin's disease like all of these other men. But guess what? He didn't get Hodgkin's disease. But the burden of being so talented, when God gives you a gift in music to be David Crosby or in the world of sports to become Mickey Mantle, how you handle that gift is really the deeper question of why you would take your own life, if you will. This is the great Bob Costas, who was the biggest fan of Mickey Mantle, who spoke at his eulogy, and we're going to hear him speak at Mickey Mantle's eulogy in a second, about his liver transplant, actually. But just to give you some background of the great Mick. To appreciate Mickey Mantle's enduring mystique, it's important to understand the context of his career and the era he represents. Baseball was still unquestionably the national pastime. The Yankees were still the best and most glamorous team in all of sports. And Mickey Mantle seemed to embody the game's mythology. A big, blonde kid from Oklahoma, arriving in New York literally carrying a straw suitcase, about to replace Joe DiMaggio in center field for the mighty Bronx Bombers. And now you're going to hear Bob Costas talk about Mickey Mantle. And Mickey Mantle's talking about why he drank. What was the matter? As only Bob Costas can interview somebody. Do you think you just fell into the lifestyle of so many ball players of your era? Or do you think you drank to fill some space in your life? No, I, Bob, I'll tell you the truth. I, I think it was just the, the lifestyle. You know, like um, uh, the ball game's over. You have two or three beers at the ballpark. Uh, if we're on the road, uh, we go back to the hotel on a bus. Uh, you get your group together. And there's a lot of cocktail parties, you know, in the winter times. Uh. And now Bob Costas asks him the ultimate question. Mickey Mantle, did you ever play drunk? You were drinking the whole time you were a baseball player. Did you ever play drunk? One time, Bobby Lane, the old quarterback in Detroit, uh, the Detroit Lions, uh, he was in town in Detroit one time. He took me out one night, and uh, we drank way too much that night. And uh, the next day, I went up to hit, and I didn't take batting practice or infield or anything. And uh, I could have hurt the team that day, but the first time up, I took the first pitch right down the middle, and I yelled at the umpire. And I, don't, I know you remember, I didn't usually argue with umpires. And I just made him kick me out of the game because I had no business in that game. Mm. Despite three MVP awards and more than 500 home runs, Mantle left baseball haunted by the feeling he should have been better. So you told me once that when you retired in 1969, your first year out of baseball, you sat there depressed, thinking that regardless of the fact that you had a Hall of Fame career, that you'd screwed up. <laughs> well, I did. I mean, uh, 
and and I, 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 that's what we've said before. I, I feel like that when I retired in 1969, I felt so bad about it that I really believe that's the reason I... Now, that's when I started drinking for a reason, I think, maybe. Wow. I always had the sense that there was a sadness about you. I mean, we all have some regret, but I always felt that there was quite a bit of sadness about you. In retrospect, was that true? Yeah. I think that when I did drink a little too much or something, it kind of relieved the tension that I felt within myself, maybe, because I hadn't been a, what I should have been. Because you hadn't been the ball player you felt you should have been. Or the daddy. Mickey Mantle had four sons. He was never home. Biggest regret was just not being around for his boys. The lifestyle, the drinking, the regrets. And then he finally steps up and gets a liver transplant. He gets interviewed by Bob Costas about his drinking. This is before the liver transplant. 1969, when I retired, uh, I didn't feel like that I had given it all I had or something. I felt like something was missing. And uh, by that time, I was probably an alcoholic and didn't know it. The last 10 years, uh, from like 1980 up to now, or up till I went to Betty Ford, uh, it, it got pretty bad. I mean, I, I got so bad, I, I couldn't even, I, people would tell me I did things, you know, and I couldn't remember. Uh, I did things uh, for the last 10 years that I had no idea I was doing. Hmm. When you got to Betty Ford Clinic, I'm told that you received more letters than anyone who's ever been at Betty Ford. And when you consider some of the famous names who've gone in and checked out, that's kind of remarkable. I had teachers uh, have their class uh, little kids write me letters, you know. Uh, third and fourth graders would write a letter, you know, say, Mickey, uh, we're glad you went out there, you know, and I didn't realize, I didn't, I really didn't realize uh, until I started getting those letters what I did mean to some people. In a way, it was, it was really, I'm not saying that I'm glad that I was drinking and had to go there, but in a way, it really helped Mickey Mantle, those letters and stuff. And here's the message he wants to give to kids. I was over the hill at 33. I didn't have a good year after 33 years of age. And Willie and Musial, Hank Aaron, all those guys that are up at the top in the final statistics are guys that took good care of themselves. And it was my own fault, you know. And when I look back at it, I get mad at myself, you know. I mean, it was stupid. And I just, I, that's one of the things uh, I'd, I'd like for the little leaguers, uh, or all the kids, just to realize that you only get one, one body and uh, don't mess it up. But it didn't work. He got his liver, unlike David Crosby, who continues to live a beautiful life and making music and doing what he wants to do. Mickey Mantle died after his liver transplant, soon after. And here's Bob Costas talking about Mickey Mantle and his liver transplant at his eulogy, his funeral. And then in the end, something remarkable happened, the way it does for champions. Mickey Mantle rallied. His heart took over. And he had some innings as fine as any in 1956 or with his buddy Roger in 1961. But this time, 
He did it in the harsh and trying summer of 95. And what he did was stunning. The sheer grace of that ninth inning, the humility, the sense of humor, the total absence of self-pity, the simple eloquence and honesty of his pleas to others to take heed of his mistakes. All of America watched in admiration. His doctors said he was, in many ways, the most remarkable patient they'd ever seen. And finally, his bravery so stark and real that even those used to seeing people in dire circumstances were moved by his example. Because of that example, organ donations are up dramatically all across America. A cautionary tale has been honestly told and perhaps will affect some lives for the better. And our last memories of Mickey Mantle are as heroic as the first. What a waste. What a waste of a life, be it alcohol or drugs. Yeah, you can be saved some of the time. It didn't work for Mickey Mantle, but it did work for David Crosby. And at 815, we're going to learn about what it is involved in transplanting your liver. The great Dr. Steve Calhoun. Coming up next, the clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. But this week, I was sent a patient by one of my favorite spine surgeons, Dr. Pat Johnson, because a patient came to him with back pain and hip pain. And he called me and said, Robbie, does this guy need his hip replaced because he's got pain? You got to tell me, do I do his spine surgery or do you fix his hip? When you have pain in the groin, does it come from your hip or does it come from your back? I'm going to explain coming up next on the Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers, aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. What exactly is beer in the butt chicken? Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You can't make this stuff up. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Just a song before I go To whom it may concern Traveling twice the speed of sound It's easy to get burned Welcome back, Weekend Warriors! That's David Crosby, Graham Nash, and Stephen Stills. Crosby, Stash, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, sorry. But it's David Crosby that I want to talk about because he had a liver transplant. Needed his liver transplanted because of hepatitis C. It's one of the side effects of ruining your liver is you don't really make the clotting factors anymore that you need to stop bleeding. So you go and do surgery on these folks 
it's really not unusual. 50 units, 80 units, 100 units of blood, 10, 12 hours of surgery. But the technical aspects of that operation, I'm fascinated by. And at 8.15, we're going to learn about it. I'm really looking forward to it. Dr. Stephen Calhoun. This week was interesting, though. You know, I see 100 patients a week, do 10 to 15 surgeries a week for 32 years. Think of, just do the math. It's over 16,000 surgeries. Lots of knees and hips and shoulders. Lots of weekend warriors and lots of warriors. And what's fascinating is to understand how your anatomy works. And then understand how it works when it falls apart. So people come to me all the time saying they have hip pain. But they point to one of three places. If they say their hip hurts and they take their hand and they point right in the front into their groin, yep, that's the ball and socket joint. You either tore the cartilage, the labrum, if you're a young martial artist, for example, notoriously tear the labrum, which is the meniscus, the rubber cushion, if you will, that's in your knee. Well, the rubber cushion that's in your hip is called the labrum. It's in your shoulder as well. Kobe Bryant needed labral surgery. He tore his labrum painful. But we all saw Kevin Love tear his labrum. Kelly Olenek literally ripped his ball out of the socket joint. That's also a torn labrum, which causes your shoulder to dislocate. So the labrum, that rubber gasket inside our joint, our knee, our hip, our shoulder, not only serves as a cushion between the two bones banging into each other as you walk or lift your arm above your head, But if you really carefully look at the shape of the labrum in the hip, the meniscus in the knee, you'll see, and here's a clapper vision, it's fat on the periphery, like a slice of apple pie. The crust is thicker than the tip of the slice. Why is it thick on the outside and tapers and gets thin on the inside until it eventually disappears? Because it really is a rubber gasket holding the lubricating fluid of the joint in the joint. What allows our joints to move with less friction than two ice cubes rubbing together. Can you imagine? You know, you're entitled not to believe in God if you want, but there's no way I can be a doctor, be a surgeon, without believing it's something like God made us. Because you could work at the jet propulsion labs and put a spacecraft into its orbit or land on the moon or land on Mars, but you ain't making a joint move a million times a year, which we do as human beings, take a million steps a year and have less friction than two ice cubes rubbing together. Well, the miracle of our joints is that lubricating fluid, that motor oil, that synovial fluid. But what holds it in the joint, that rubber gasket that keeps it in the joint, is the labrum. So when people come to see me and they say they got hip pain and they point in their groin, that's coming from their ball and socket joint. I still throw them in the pool and do exercises with Linda Yui's book that I wrote with her, Heal Your Hips. But if that fails, I am a busy, 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 hip surgeon, and I love it. The second of three areas they point to 
when they say their hip hurts is on the side of their hip. It's killing me here, Dr. Clapper. And they take their finger, they point on the side where their pocket is, for example. Well, guess what? That ain't coming from the bone socket joint. That location of the pain is called bursitis. Itis means inflammation, like getting poked in the eye. Your eye gets red and swollen. And the bursa is a fluid-filled sac just underneath the skin to keep the bone from coming through the skin. And if you do too much elliptical or too much of a certain kind of exercise that your body don't like and your anatomy doesn't appreciate it, then just like the tip of your elbow becomes a golf ball, the front of your kneecap becomes a golf ball, you get a a bursitis there, you can get it around your hip joint. And it notoriously occurs on the side where your pocket is, just under the skin, a bursitis. I hate cortisone shots, so I'm not giving you a shot. I'm sure another doctor will, not me. I'm not giving you a needle. I'm going to see it as the bursitis like a blister in your hand. Keep rubbing a blister doesn't make sense, but it becomes a callus. Well, how are you going to rub that blister around your hip joint and make that pain go away? Get in the pool. Not only walk forwards and backwards a half an hour, three days a week, but walk sideways. That's how you'll get rid of that bursitis around your hip. And the third and final area, when people come to me and say, Dr. Clapper, I came to you, you're a hip expert. My hip hurts here. And they take their fist and they literally punch themselves in their buttock where their spine meets their buttock their back of their hip, their sacroiliac joint actually is where they're pointing to. But when you say your hip hurts and you're pointing to the back of your hip where your buttock is, the gluteus maximus, that's coming from your spine or your sacroiliac joint. That hip pain ain't coming from the center of the joint. You ain't going to need me to do a hip surgery. But what's fascinating is the lower back and its relation to groin pain, which is why I got a phone call this week from the best spine surgeon in the city at Cedars, the great Dr. Pat Johnson, because he's such a careful surgeon. He wanted to know, before I do spine surgery on this guy, he's also complaining of groin pain. You got to tell me to make sure that his hip is okay, because as much as I deal with hips that are bad, I'm also good at telling you your hip is fine. So this very nice man came to see me. I examined him, took his history, and looked at his studies. And guess what causes his hip pain? Fascinating. You know how I use the clapper vision that your spine is a stack of Oreo cookies. The cookie is the vertebral body, the bone. The cream filling is your disc. Your spine is a stack of Oreo cookies beautifully, just like that package, one right on top of the other. Well, your lower back, between your rib cage and your pelvis, the lumbar spine, the front of those Oreo cookies is where the muscle that helps you flex your hip originates from. We call it the iliopsoas. And in some patients, many of you listening right now, you don't just degenerate your disc. The stack of Oreo cookies starts to slip apart. It's as though, here's the clap revision, I pulled the third cookie up from the bottom. I pulled it out of the beautiful stack. Making your spine unstable. We have a fancy word for it. Biggest word I know. It's called a spondylolisthesis. 
Because in Latin, listhesis means slippage. Spondylo means spine. It literally means one of the Oreo cookies is getting pulled out of the beautiful column. It's unstable. And there's a lot of controversy in people who need surgery. Do you just decompress them or do you fuse them? Let me tell you something. You see that kind of slippage? They're unstable. They better get a fusion, in my opinion. But they'll get groin pain because that hip flexor is anchored to something that's wobbly. It's no longer stable. And that was the mystery. This man had groin pain for all the world, looked like he needed hip surgery. And believe me, there was a guy in town who he saw who said he needed a hip replacement. No, he did not need a hip replacement. Leave his hip alone. His hip hurts because he has an unstable spine. It's, it's like being a detective. It's like being a jigsaw puzzle player. To be a surgeon, to work on machinery made by something else that man didn't make. It's not like working on your car or building a house. But after 32 years and examining and being inside so many bodies, it's such a privilege to be able to be a surgeon and to understand how your body works and how it talks to you. And to just give you medicine to make the pain go away, I hate that. You want to find a doctor that wants to find out the reason for the pain and then make the pain go away. Just don't give me a painkiller. Then you're not solving the problem. Don't give me Robitussin if you're coughing. If I'm coughing because I got pneumonia, you better give me antibiotics to stop coughing, not Robitussin. That, to me, is the secret between an artist who becomes a doctor versus a technician. Coming up next, the clinic will be open. The lines are all lit up. I probably talk too much. Steve Paulette is mad at me, but I don't care because I love sharing with you every Saturday morning the beauty of the body that you've been given and how to take care of it. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. I go to whom it may concern Traveling twice the speed of sound It's easy to get Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me? (laughs) Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Preop. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 7 home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Helplessly hoping her harlequin hovers nearby awaiting a word gasping at glimpses of Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Boy, do I feel bad interrupting that song. Three voices blending together perfectly as one 
Graham Nash, David Crosby, Stephen Stills. Magic. Magic in the world of hearing. We had magic on the basketball court for the Lakers. But magic to your ears is Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And David Crosby is still alive because a surgeon replaced his liver. Fascinating. Going to learn at 815 what that involves. And thanks to the great Ben Lyons for listening, texting me such sweet things. What a joy and an honor to be your friend, Ben Lyons. Thanks for listening. All right, let's open the clinic. All the lines lit up. I probably could do a four-hour show rather than a two-hour show, Steve Paulette. But that's what's fun about it. Jam it all into two hours. Let's go to Mike and Tarzana. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. Uh, good to speak with you. Uh, it's my I... pleasure. Wait, wait, wait. How old are you? What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm 73, and I'm uh, retired at this point. What did you do? I put in 35 years in the post office, postal service. Do you know my father worked in the post office before there were yes, zip codes? Sir. And I used, to go visit, I used to go visit him. And you know what he used to do, Mike? He used to have in his left hand, kind of like Dr. J with the rock the baby dunk. Remember when he took that basketball against Cooper and it slid up his arm? Well, in the yep. mail room, or I should say the where the post office, I remember being a little kid visiting him. And all those letters went right up his arm and he'd be in front of a bunch of cubby holes. And he knew every little town in America and he put those letters into those little boxes before there were zip codes. Now it's all machinated, I guess. What are you doing yeah. as a retired guy? What's your hobby? Oh, I try to help uh, a little bit with the uh, grandkids, and uh, I, I'm very active. Actually, well, I I call it very active. I'm relatively active, uh, trying to uh, w you know a, a little bit of weights and a little bit of swimming. Where'd you and, grow uh, up? A lot of walking. I grew up uh, near Glendale. Really? What high school did you go to? I went to a high school that doesn't exist. It's called uh, Potter Noster. Wow. It's now Ribbit Academy. And what did you do right after high school? Did you go to college? Uh, yeah, I I was in and out of college trying to make up my mind, and I got a degree in about seven years. Wow. What did your father do for a living? Uh, he was a purchasing agent in the cosmetics and pharmaceuticals. Huh. Did you travel all over the world? Uh, I did a bit uh, during my working career. I uh, I actually took a trip that was called around the world trip, and uh, really, that was that was a great experience. Yeah. Okay, tell me before we get started on your shoulder, what is the most beautiful place in the world that you've been to? Uh, most beautiful. Did you go to New uh, Zealand, the South Island of New Zealand? Well, there's beauty and then there's significance and and such. Uh, I agree. I agree. My my head goes to uh, Greece for some of the most significant, you know. Yeah. Uh, so can I tell you so something far. about seeing Greece? Sure. When you look, this is how smart these guys are. When you look at the Parthenon in Athens. Yeah. What you realize is how beautiful those marble columns that they made thousands of years ago. But you know what those smart Greeks realized that if you look at a column of marble from a distance and you make it perfectly straight, it will look crooked. Ah. So those columns are built. I'm a sculptor, so I can tell you this. Those marble columns are built with a gentle 11-degree slope built wow. into the column. 
that when we now in 2021 try to restore the columns because of acid rain and all the rest, we don't even have the computer and the laser and the technology to do what these guys did with just hand tools to make a gentle 11 degree slope. Because from a distance, if you put 11 degree slope in a column, then it looks like a straight line. Because if you make it a straight line, it will look crooked. That's why That's why you got blown away when you saw these columns in Greece and go, why is this so special? That's the reason. All right, how can I help you? What you do to yourself? Well, I, you know, we know the, the state of the art of knees and, and hips. Yes. Uh, I, I've been going to specialists now and again regarding shoulders, and, and I, I've, I've had, uh, had it recommended to replace my shoulder as much as uh, 13 years ago. Yes. But I didn't, I didn't want any part of it because I didn't think the state of the art on you shoulders. You were right. You were right. Now we are better. It, the key thing is going to be is your rotator cuff intact. Because if your rotator cuff is intact, then you would be a great candidate for an anatomic replacement of your shoulder. Where yeah. And I do a lot, a lot of shoulder surgery and a lot of replacements. Where you can put the ball in the socket back to the way they were made by God, if you will, because the, the cables that surround the joint are intact. But yeah. if the rotator cuff in a 73-year-old man has a full thickness tear, then you're going to have to do the state-of-the-art, which is to flip it. It's called a reverse shoulder replacement. So the yep. secret sauce is your rotator cuff. Do not let them shoot you with cortisone. Have they already done that? No, I don't go there. I've, I've heard you, and I didn't like it before I've heard Good. you. Yep. All right. Well, let me tell you something. You can only imagine how busy I am. But if you want, it'll be my pleasure. You call my office on Monday. You tell Arnie you're a weekend warrior, and you won the prize. If you want me to help you, either guide you to wherever you live or take care of you, it'll be my pleasure to help you. You always want to avoid surgery. You always want to try to do exercises. You know how much I love the pool. But you know what? Life is short. You worked hard your whole life. You want me to get rid of your shoulder pain and get your range of motion back? It'll be my pleasure to help you and at least guide you on the right path. So you, young man, with all the good that you've done, it'll be my pleasure to help you. Now, listen, do me one favor, Mike. I want you to find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me, and I look forward to meeting you if you want. I'll do that. And can I ask you one last thing, doctor? Yes, sir. Uh, the last specialist I went to, which was recently implied, if I'm not mistaken, that there may come a point where you can't replace the shoulder. He's now, wrong. He or she is, is wrong. My father used to always used to say, Robbie, when you get to a red light, you better still stop. Look both ways, because when that light turns green, don't jump and go. I'd say, why? The light turned green. He goes, but Robbie, you're assuming the other driver is, is doing the right thing and paying attention. They could shoot through the light and kill you. You'd be right, Robbie, he'd say, but you'd be dead right. Let me tell you something. Whoever told you that is not wrong. They're dead wrong, okay? There's well, dead right and dead wrong. They're dead wrong. Thank you very much. And thanks for letting me think of my dad in answering your question. God bless you. All right, for young sure. man. Thanks. Find a total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me, and I look forward to meeting you. All right, Warriors, let's take one more call. All the lines are lit up. I feel bad. Let's go to Bob. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning. Um, I'm having knee surgery. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How old are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 62, and I work for the state lottery. Really? Oh, my God. That must be fun. How long have you worked for the lottery? Before the lottery even started, 36 years. 
Wow. I got to digest that information for a bit. That's unbelievable. I can give you the winning numbers after the phone call. No, I don't want the winning numbers. I just love the whole concept that people think that they actually can come up with the numbers every week and they're different. Like you talk about the perfect example of luck. Is that you deal in one of the coolest concepts humanity has ever come up with, which is luck. No wonder you're still doing it for 36 years. It must be so much fun to work for the lottery. It is. Because you're surrounded by people who actually, I remember being online when I was still living in New York, when you could, where computers didn't take over everything. You basically told the person, just give me whatever numbers come out of the computer, but you also had the option of actually writing in with a pencil the numbers that you want. Hello there. And I remember this Meshugana online in front of me. I, I was trying to buy a cup of coffee or something. He was buying a lottery ticket. Who asked, once he, he gave them the numbers that he wrote down in pencil on the ticket, no, can I have it back again? And he took an eraser and he erased one of the numbers, put a new number, and then he gave it back to them. And I'm sitting there going, this Meshugana actually thinks he's changing the, the whole thing is complete luck. He thinks he got a vision that he got the right number. It must be hilarious for you to be around people who actually think they could figure this out. God bless you. How can I help you, Bob? What's up? Okay. Well, I'm having knee surgery at a local uh, uh, HMO here next Thursday to either replace my knee or a debridement as a possible uh, attempt to improve symptoms. It will not work if you do a debridement. Don't even bother. Don't give me new linoleum in my kitchen if the termites ate the floorboards. And we don't need to discover that in surgery. I'm telling you right now, Bob, the beauty of an MRI is that it tells me not only what the linoleum looks like, it tells me if there are termites in the wood underneath. You do not. So if your surgeon is telling you, I got to see what it looks like to figure it out, let me just pump the brakes right now. You need to get a second opinion. That thinking is, is illogical to me. It's my opinion. You know, they get to say and do whatever they want. But you better get a second opinion because the, the, I would even argue, Bob from Chatsworth, who's in the lottery business for 36 years, that just that line of thinking, there's a great expression that I learned from Dr. Ranawat who invented the knee replacement. The eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. If you're looking at the MRI and you're still telling me that you don't see, I would argue that you can actually see more about the knee joint with an MRI than your own eyes. Why? Because when I arthroscope someone's knee, I just see the cartilage, the surface. I just see the linoleum. An MRI lets you see below. It lets you see what's underneath the linoleum. So the whole idea, I'm going to look inside first and decide whether to debris it or not, versus you're going to wake up with a knee replacement at 61? Forget about it. And you're calling for my opinion. That's my opinion. I don't want them giving you cortisone shots or stem cells for $10,000 or PRP or Synvisc. No needles. Be holistic. But that line of thinking, no, I disagree. Sorry. So you recommend a total needs replacement, I assume. Not necessarily. But if you, you have to have someone, it doesn't have to be me, but you need another opinion to look at your MRI and go, forget about it. You're just having an implant. 
and you go to someone who knows what they're doing. And I'm not the only one in town who knows how to do it. There are good surgeons in town. But you need to go to someone who can look at your study ahead of time and tell you this isn't a mystery. It's right there in front of you, which is the opposite of the lottery business because nothing there is in front of you. Capiche? Uh, capiche. All right, get a second opinion. Everything, listen, everything happens for a reason. You just called me, right, for a reason. You know the reason you called me? To put the kibosh on what you're about to have. Okay. All right, Bob and Chatsworth, you go find a total stranger today. You do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me and get yourself oh, another sorry. opinion. Oh, one more question. Do you mind? Yeah. You'd, you'd mentioned a Schwinn bike. Obviously, if I'm going to have the surgery, I'm going to have to do some Schwinn therapy. spinning bike. Get a Schwinn spinning bike. Schwinn spinning. Got it. Thanks. Appreciate that. All right, young man. Are you going to find a total stranger? Do I have to worry about you? No. Fair I'll enough. find two. Okay, young Thanks. man. God bless you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, Warriors. Coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories. For all those people on the line, I'd love to talk to you. Steve Paulette's going to make sure it happens. But you're going to have to call back because I'm going to tell some stories, and then I'm going to have my guests. So call back at 830, and then I'll be able to take some of you. Until then, we're going to talk about liver transplant. Mickey Mantle, David Crosby. What a wonderful story it is. In the case of David Crosby, and in the case of Mickey Mantle, not so wonderful. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Wishing he could fly It's good to be king, right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clapper Vision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like, or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers.